Winter is here. Season seven is here. And while the TV series may be far past the books at this point, that doesn't mean that the books don't still have a ton of information to help us theorize and figure out what's going to happen by the end of season seven. iBooks has an exclusive version of George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones called the Enhanced Editions that help you keep track of the storylines and the characters in a fun and interactive way. Using these Enhanced Editions, you too can discover exactly what Euron Greyjoy has been up to. These books are available exclusively on iBooks. Go to apple.co slash Game of Thrones to check them out. They're not available in all countries, but they're probably available where you live. That's apple.co slash Game of Thrones. We're obsessed and we know you will be too. We'd also like to thank Mac Weldon. With a smart design, premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience, Mac Weldon underwear is definitely better than whatever you're currently wearing. Also, their black t-shirts are better than most of the black t-shirts that are in my closet. And if you've seen any of the photographs or footage from Con of Thrones, you'll understand. In addition to looking and feeling great, all Mack Weldon products are crafted with natural fibers that have built-in performance capabilities, so they work hard too. All that, and they're shipped right to your door. So go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your purchase using promo code OWNS. All I have to say is that we're back. We're back. We're back like we forgot something. 17, the hype is real. I mean, what <laughs> can I ask what you thought? Is that like too oh. simple of a question for us to even get in? I just feel like there's 8,000 things that we need to talk about and I have my little sticky note in front of me with all my favorite parts. Welcome back to Game of Bones. We just watched episode one of season seven. So the season is no back. No big deal. We haven't had one of these episodes in a we're very finally long time. Here. I'm still at Palace Day. History this episode is very serious business. I had to watch it all alone. Uh, this was one of the most lit viewing parties I've ever been to in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the new episode with another podcast was crazy. I wish you were there. You were That's missed. Sweet. But now we get to talk so about it. For those of you who aren't familiar, later on in the week, we do an episode where we go through everything a little bit more in depth. And I feel like that's our opportunity to read out loud everybody's owns and like pull together everybody's thoughts and really start to get into analysis. But that this first recording that we do right after the episode, I we want it to be fresh and exactly what we thought and kind of coming right off of the episode. And so it's tough because I don't want to get, I don't want my opinions to be you know what I'm trying to say? Like I don't I don't I don't want to then take over other people's opinions right after we watch this first episode. And so I feel like we have to kind of hide for a little bit uh before we can finally talk about it. And if you're a new listener, welcome. We what Hannah just said, that's how we handle Sunday nights in season and the off season. We discuss the series chapter by chapter and do things like Con of Thrones and interview folks from the series, whether they're behind the camera or in front of the camera. And I collaborate with our friends that work in the community and just in general have a lot of fun with the television show and with the book series and where we're at. And this episode was just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, to come off of all, <laughs> Con of Thrones and everything and to come in like this. Did you feel like it's like when you talk about how Catfish Cooley lost a little bit of his edge, you were like, he he's 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 too self-aware now. Did, did you get any of that or is it just what, me? You mean like they understand what they're doing? Like they understand how we're going to react to things or that every shot's going to be a gif. Yeah, and that everybody's every shot's going to be picked apart and analyzed and run over a thousand times. I mean, yeah. if you're saying that because you think that they took a lot of great care in this episode, then I absolutely agree. I think that's definitely the case. I also think that they gave us a good handful of jokes that weren't necessarily necessary. And, grave digger shout out. And the grave digger shout out 
And I mean, the list goes on. This was one of the funniest episodes of Game of Thrones. And it felt like we were watching a finale almost with the amount of, it felt like we were watching Winds of Winter from last season. Just the, I, I think the responsibility of what they were doing was evident in every frame and the way the, the characters interacted with each other, only having a specific moment to have that specific interaction. And it's like they knew what would be the most, I guess, reactive version of those exchanges that would get the world interested in what was happening. And it just felt like line after line was exactly what you would want to hear. Like we episode one, Torment is giving Brienne the look and mm, session <laughs> <over there. laughs> You're a lucky man. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I, I think that we talked about this a little bit on our last episode that we did, our kind of pre-season seven hype episode, where we talked about the fact that we don't have a lot of time left and that this season is going to be paced and may feel a little bit different. And so the gravity and weight of each moment, I think, is a little bit more evident because there isn't a lot of time and there's a lot to set up. And we we set up the major conflicts of season seven pretty nicely in this first episode and and i think that i think that there's no room for error and as you're saying that's evident in in the way that everything's being presented and i mean i've i'm pretty happy with it you know i think that it's the first episode and we're still kind of like trying to take it in but i mean there's so many moments even just from this very cold opening start which doesn't happen a lot in game of thrones i feel good about this episode and i feel good about where we're headed i do too and everyone in the house was talking about how much they loved it aziz's friend rudy said this was in his top five favorite episodes old i know and i I got to thinking about it after we watched it and and we were going over twitter hbo played the episode again so it was on again in the background and i think that awareness of like i said just the scale of which their show is operating on i had i would say probably four different texts today from different friends of mine from different parts of the country citing different pop culture references things like the pizza hut delivery email address being changed to the north stuff like that that game of thrones has permeated through so so absolutely it's always been a, a big thing and you know it started with sponsored tweets from different brands you know during the end season and now it's just i don't know it's a spectacle and i think that they really nailed it this time i think the extra I think the extra production time was worth the wait. Yeah, I was absolutely going to say worth the wait. They've had cameos before, but that Ed Sheeran cameo, I think, was just, I don't know, it was one of the best executed versions of, let's integrate a Hollywood star into another cool thing. You know, they're both from the UK, so look at this. (laughs) I I liked it, and we can talk a little bit more about what his cameo specifically means, because he's singing that song that's from the books, that's references to Tyrion. But I can't help but just look at him the whole time and like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> what did it not here? take you out of it a little bit? Because I feel like so much of Game of Thrones, having somebody as big as Ed Sheeran and as random as Ed Sheeran just be hanging on that, hanging on the screen. And I also, it could also have to do with just that whole scene. I felt a little unsettled because it was almost too chill. Oh yeah. That, I mean, it was so unsettling. And she, so, are they, they going to do horrible things to her? Is she going to do horrible things to them? So maybe that's like Why changing. Why is she in here singing to yeah, us? exactly. <laughs> maybe that's like changing the way I feel about his cameo yeah. because the whole, se- the whole scene, I was like, Arya's looking around at all the different swords. Now Arya's eating their food. Everyone's being so nice. They're Lannister yes, people. Right. She just said she that she's. She just said that she was gonna go kill the queen. Like they're just hanging out. Is she that gonna laugh. sleep there? Is she gonna leave? <laughs> yeah. She, you know, so the whole thing was just like, I feel like I'm trained to not trust any moment. And so then the fact that Ed Sheeran was just singing away, sitting on some log, <laughs> was just all very unsettling. It, uh, he was really happy. I mean, it, it <laughs> felt like a show of strength from the series. Almost like, look at this look at this cool thing yeah it it was cool and god it looked good (laughs) it did it did it did look good and and it's it just it took me out of it a little bit i think that happened to me more than once but i mean let's just talk about the opening sequence it was well not the opening opening sequence it's the this the dark cloud this is after the credits with the white walkers and with the white giant Mm -hmm. first off you just we'll (sighs) have <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I watched that sequence and I'm not taken out of it in the negative sense where if this doesn't work in the show, I watch it and I'm like, this is just 
This is just too good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the Night King is literally riding out with a storm behind him with no real. And I think the great thing about that scene is that there was no real context for it. And it didn't we didn't come back to it necessarily in this episode. It was just however many seconds, quite a bit of time of just this swirling storm full of white walkers slowly moving. That was it. Did you guess what it was at first? The storm cloud? Did you know it was them? Yes. Right? I mean, I don't what else could it be? You know, I feel like in it's that just moment. Different. We haven't seen it look that dark before. It's usually, you know, a little bit more snowy and I don't know, it felt a lot grittier this year. The way they were slinking through the the snowy smoke, you know, the, the mm-hmm. first troop of White Walkers, it was pretty gritty. Yeah, absolutely. But I I feel like what else could it have been, you yeah. know? What else is as serious as that? I know. I loved it so much. <laughs> I'm just trying to have, a, you know, an even-keeled conversation for our first episode. <laughs> we but can't. I loved it so much. I was just like, look how dark it is. Listen to this music. Look at him at the head of this army. And they're all just slowly passing. Just without us really understanding exactly where they're headed or where they've been or if this is happening right now in this exact moment. You know what I mean? What do you think about that? I just had a conversation with Ashea about that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we cut from that scene straight to Bran. So is that something that has already happened, is already is going to happen? Does that have any connection to Bran? Anything in that moment? I'm not sure. Well, I don't Bran, know what you think. If we can assume that Bran was warging in the past, Bran has warged and he has either been through a beast or he's been through himself walking around. And I think that I'm pretty sure that the only times that he's had a, a vision that was outside of his current timeline, which how can you really know? He's standing in it. And I didn't see him standing in the mm-hmm. storm. And if we can assume that he was warging the camera was probably some kind of raven or crow, right? Flying, and that's why the camera was able to sweep through the storm and then up toward the giant. Mm-hmm. Or they just shot it. Right, or it's just not connected to Bran, and it's just a moment in the very beginning of the episode for us to remember, once again, this is what the real threat is. Well, that was a hell of a way to start it. I mean, we got the amazing opening with Arya and the twins pretending to be Walter Frey, giving us everything that we've ever wanted. Enough to talk about for an entire podcast episode that records directly after it airs. I have like 5,000 things to say about this. I don't really know where to start. Did you watch the after the episode interview with David and Dan? So for those of you who didn't, I would highly recommend that you go back and watch it because they spend some time talking about the scene and why they decided to start with this specific sequence. And they talked a lot about how you look at Walter Frey Arya as Walder Frey and the way that his facial movement looks like Arya and also looks like Walder. And it's kind of like this unsettling, subtle movements and how they were just so incredibly impressed by this performance that they felt like they could not start with this, which I thought was pretty neat. And something that I didn't really... Well, I did pick up... So I went back and watched the scene again before we sat down to record because I actually missed the first like two minutes of it. But just being able to like focus in on Walder Frey's performance in this scene was really, really cool because you could see some of Arya's subtleties coming out. And as you realize what's starting to happen, just felt like it was a really satisfying way to kick off this episode. You liked more of the sort of zooming in. Let's get a little nerdy about the subject material before we begin this crazy season like dive that they took versus making it like the storm and the white walkers absolutely and i felt like it was yeah me i mean too. how long have you been waiting for something like this to happen mm-hmm. you know and also when you were watching the scene at first i was confused i was like wait really <laughs> really like <laughs> just you saw the bandage on his hand and you were like did he get healed or something <laughs> <laughs> well, it just took me a second of like did I click on the wrong episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> for like 20 seconds and then i mean of course it doesn't take long to kind of understand exactly what's going on. And as we get into this whole speech about the Starks and the Red Wedding, I mean, didn't did you not feel so satisfied with mm-hmm. with this whole thing playing out? Proper wine for proper heroes. And then she doesn't kill the serving girl, which or or it might have been Walter's wife. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 poison coming out that she found at the twins. Tell them winter came for house free. <laughs> I'm watching that 
and seeing an older actress playing Arya Stark, who, you know, obviously started when she was young, and Arya's grown, the story's grown, Walder Frey has been defeated. And you look at that and think, well, and there was a, there was a time in the series when they were reacting to what the people in charge did. But now mm-hmm. she goes to the twins and mm-hmm. dispatches of Walter Frey. And she says, tell them that the North remembers. Mm-hmm. She's setting the tone. She's setting the, you know, I guess like the local lore that will disseminate from that point forward and, and become the history of Westeros for this period. It's the Stark girl and North. It's another Stark girl and it's Stark boy. And it's Cersei and Jamie. And it's just, you know, these people like Euron, who was a captain, but not a king, were specifically getting a reference to a fight that he was a part of in the past, where he was just a part of someone else's game. And you go so far into the future, and now he's the one standing in the throne room in front of Cersei with those ships and two hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the stables have turned and the, the world's evolving. And uh, it's just so cool to see it now captured. I, I bet. Those of you listening at home feel the same way. Sure, if you've gotten this far into a Game of Thrones podcast, whether you've been l- listening to Game of Thrones for years or you just found it, I mean, it's season seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Danny's landed on Dragonstone at the end of this episode. Pretty cool. Exactly. And this is reminding me of that conversation that Cersei and Jamie had about alliances and about who's on whose side and, and who are the people that they need to be paying attention to and watching out for. And so much of that has changed and the dynamic has changed. And I feel like a lot of this entire episode was about alliances and was about who's on what side and and what moves are then being made because we look at um we look at the, that conversation between Cersei and Jamie where Cersei talks about creating a di- a 100-year dynasty and Jamie's like well for who we don't have any kids everybody's gone and she says for us and Jamie's like okay whatever Jamie's like please don't say stuff like that you yeah. sound so crazy <laughs> You just and there blew are, up the Sept of Baelor yeah, and I, everyone in it. The way he looks at her this episode, interesting. So that conversation between them, Cersei's alliance, whatever that is, with Euron, looking at everybody questioning Sansa and her interactions with Littlefinger, Sansa and Jon, Jon's decisions with the Karstarks and the Umbers and Lyanna Mormont and everything that's happening over there, and the hound and Beric and thoros so there's just just a lot of (laughs) yeah and with danny implied you know so there's just a lot of like alliances and who's on whose side and strengthening your hold in this episode which i thought was really interesting i'm not sure how much of the old guard remains i think cersei's position of power and the negative part of it or at least the negative feelings that you might have it's hard to be completely against her because we've We've seen her go through so much and lose so much in the process of getting to the place that she's at. But if we think about Jon Snow, we think about Sansa, and we think about let's just stop the White Walkers and the fact that Daenerys is coming home. There's so many more heartwarming elements connected to the reasons why people are doing things. And I think that has a lot to do with Jamie's facial expression. And I think it has a lot to do with the, the kinds of decisions that she's making. But I think that we may subliminally feel more comfortable watching the series because those who are in charge are the people that we've kind of, you know, been underdogs with the whole time we were watching the show. So now as a world, we all come together and watch season seven and all of a sudden all these underdogs are in positions of power and there's so much Mm -hmm. empowerment, whether good or bad, there's empowerment and it's happening. And I think that has a lot to do with why people are so ecstatic about the episode and why they're so nuts online right now and having such a good time is because while there's, terrible things happening in the world the characters that we've grown with are allowed to make their own decisions now the good guys are in charge the good guys quote unquote right you can't help but kind of celebrate some of that after a long time of people like walder Frey running the ship running the show like we're Mm -hmm. just talking about and there was a point in the interaction between Arya and the soldiers where at first we were really scared like oh no you know after all this she's out in the woods and there's all these soldiers here but there was a point where, at least for me, it transitions from being worried about Arya to kind of being worried about them. Like, Arya, can, she's got it. <laughs> she can handle herself. She's fine. Oh, now. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, did you see the look on her face when she killed when she killed Walder Frey at the end of season six? She's got no problems. You know, and she, she was looking at their swords. Like, she could take any of those people down in five seconds flat. She probably could have taken care of all of them. Um, so I'm not, I don't worry about 
Arya. I don't worry about Sansa. I don't worry about Jon in the way that we would have worried about all of them three seasons ago, two seasons ago. You know, Do you worry about how they're positioning Arya though, because I feel like with the goodness coming from the Lannister soldiers, the fact that they offered her food and referenced their families at home. And that particular nice one who offered her his own blackberry wine, reminiscent of hot pie and crafting and a connection, you know, the warmness and sincere things connected to the earth. You know, is she looking on those things, continuing to be an other or is she or are we beginning the process at the, on the first episode of this season of her coming back to it? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good question. And I think that's why watching that scene, you feel like you're unsettled or you're not sure if you're supposed to feel comfortable or if you're supposed to feel like we can settle in with this group of randos this group of Lannister soldiers that Arya's with and it's been you know when is the last time we saw Arya smile like that you know so genuinely play. yeah yeah and so you know I don't know I feel like I feel like Arya has come so far down this path of survival that I'm curious to see, and we talked about this in our last episode, how that plays into her if we get her back with her siblings, you know, and mm. what that looks like and how she interacts with people when for so long she's been for herself. So I don't know. And I don't know if if that scene that we've got is going to carry on into further episodes and something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Or if she travels with them, that wouldn't make much sense. That's why I thought it was an interesting choice that they left it there because I feel that as far as the way that we're being introduced into this last, I guess, movement of the series, it still feels at least for the week between episode one and two that it, uh, Arya could go both ways with this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sansa and John are uh, they're starting the, the the Stark reunion problems a little early. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Can't wait to talk to you about this. <laughs> What do you think? So this is these are very obviously to no surprise to anybody listening. This these Sansa John scenes are probably the scenes I've been thinking about the most since the episode ended this evening, and the way that Sansa tried to I guess undermine John during their meeting to John and Sansa's different arguments to the way that Sansa handled everything with Littlefinger to the way that Sansa talked about Cersei being. Uh, a role model not a role model but what was it i can't remember exactly what she says and i have it written down here somewhere in my notes but she learned a lot from her i think yeah yeah that's that's it that she she learned a lot from cersei and also sansa compared john to joffrey for like 20 seconds before she realized none of that felt real when i was watching that it's been interesting and and this is something that we knew was going to happen there was going to be conflict and the two of them are going to butt heads we saw it at the end of last season we're seeing it now yeah but did you think that she was going to compare him to joffrey even in a joke I think that she quickly retracted that. Yeah. Right. She, you know, she's angry at John because he's not listening to her. Whether or not he should is a different question. And she says, well, Joffrey didn't let anyone question him either. And John's like, wait a second. Let's <sighs> <laughs> let's take a step back here. When you were watching it, did you feel taken out of it a little bit because of the kinds of things that they were saying? Or, or is that like what they're the only thing I can't decide? And I, I'm curious. I, I want you to, I want your opinion and I want, the opinions of the listeners at home because I don't want to think of things in a certain way for the rest of the of the season and I surely don't want to don't want to think it's weird but I just watched John and Sansa Bicker and I'm like this is just too this is just too real you know mm-hmm. there's white walkers coming and I'm seeing these beautiful vistas of Winterfell that aerial shot that wide shot with them standing on the side of the battlements and you could see so much of the the winter environment in the background there's a lot of really gorgeous cinematography while they were saying the the most insane sibling stuff to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what makes it so great though. <laughs> it, you know? It, it was so raw. It was I'm, I was like, wow, am I watching this right now? It's like very genuine sibling yes. banter and the way that they interact with each other and the way that they're arguing like siblings and the way that Sansa like grabs John's cloak and also mm-hmm. the way that she kind of rolls her eyes at him. I I just felt and maybe that's being taken out of it a little bit for you, but I, I like that we're, and we've talked about this, I like that we're in the day-to-day without, in the day-to-day in this season, without everything being so high-paced 24-7. But at the same time, 
think about the weight of their conversation. John's talking about how he's seen the White Walkers and he's like, this is the real threat. This is what we need to be paying attention to. And Cersei, or excuse me, Sansa <laughs> is talking about how she's seen Cersei <laughs> yeah, and like... how that's a real threat. And I don't think that either of them are wrong. And so while John ultimately decides to keep, and these are two different kinds of things, but I think that they play into the same end. While John ultimately decides to keep the Karstarks and the Umbers in their same homes and, and have them re-establish their loyalty, both of them are right. And both of them have lots of different experience all over the Seven Kingdoms. And so I think that while they're arguing and while there's some tension there, that it's important for them to continue to have these conversations because they're both bringing something to the table that the other doesn't have. Well, that's why it's worrisome because John's going to get called away, presumably. And with the way it's going right now, it's probably not the best time, especially after that public argument that they had in front of all their bannermen. Mm-hmm. Not the place to do it. <laughs> yeah, like, that was not the place to do it at all. And I had wished that, while I think these conversations are good for them to have, I had wished that Sansa hadn't done it right then and there. you know. And I know that she probably can't help it, but come on. It just doesn't seem like something she would have done. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like... After all that she's gone through, that definitely seems like something she would talk to John about. But I don't know. I don't know what in the off season we missed with Littlefinger. But he didn't come out too heavy. He didn't come out right and say, "When he leaves, you'll become queen." Right. But it seemed like he had been getting on her nerves big time. And now Uh, that she doesn't need him as much, she's just like totally okay with it. Just rolling her eyes at him. What do you want? Yeah, she. I think she's done a pretty good job. She did a pretty good job in this episode, keeping him at bay and kind of keeping him. So I think we can be worried about John leaving, but also not because I think that Sansa has a pretty good understanding of who Littlefinger is and what he's trying to do. And she says she knows exactly what he's trying to do. And through this whole episode, we have him just like smiling in the background. And I loved when he's just like walking across Winterfell and his cloaks kind of just flowing and Sansa's talking about how she knows exactly what what he's doing, what he wants. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) He's just like sleeking away. Um, I've never seen Baelish seem so small than when when Brienne walks up and he walks to leave and just the tension between everyone there, like they just did not like him. Mm -hmm. No, and and Sansa goes on to say that she's in Winterfell surrounded by her friends, like someone like Brienne who's going to fight for her until the death need be. And so Littlefinger is very obviously to me scrambling. Do you think he's scrambling or do you think that this is all part of it? Maybe it is all part of it, but I I just, I I don't feel like he has an upper hand here right now. So what do you think the deal is with his dagger being the one that was pointed out in the book that Sam was reading in Old Town? I'm just really glad that somebody pointed that out on Twitter because I didn't catch it the first time because you're, I mean, there's 5 million different things going on, but I just... This whole, we can talk about this dagger specifically, and we can also talk about the whole entire scene, scenes with Sam in this episode. <laughs> like the Guy Ritchie, like, snatch King Arthur action sequence. It was really, really funny. It was It was amazing. really funny because it never stopped. <laughs> the poop soup loop. It was, I mean, I was cracking up. Who, what, where, why? I was when it was first starting to happen. I thought I was so, so, so witty <laughs> when I was taking notes. I was like, "The soup looks like, like it looks like what they're eating." I just was like, "That's interesting." And then it started to ramp up, and I was like, "Oh, that's the point." Oh, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like he's gagging and he's sighing and he's grunting over and over and over. And so we've been talking a lot in the off season about how we haven't seen a lot of the Citadel or any of it in any of the promotional materials. And and that's been some of the questions that I've had, which is we don't, we haven't seen a lot of it. What's going on with Sam? We didn't see him in any of the trailers. And then the first thing that we get of him is just this, like he is hating his life. This is not what he thought it was. And he's just cleaning up after everybody 24 seven pots clanging, over and over and over and over. It was so good. I mean, when is this show that funny? I mean, when does the show have an opportunity to put Sam in a position like that, though? Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a character that... I mean, I don't know if we even need to frame it like that. 
I don't know if we even need to talk about how cool it is that it's happening to Sam. I just want to say that it was happening to Sam. And and it was the show shows people things like sex and shows things shows people things like a head being chopped off. None of those things are really happening when they're filming it. Mm-hmm. All right. But Game of Thrones, HBO, certain artists, you know, use these pretty, you know, shocking things from real life to make us feel something when we watch TV. Like, like I said, the gratuitous violence in Game of Thrones. Oh, Oberyn, what happened to your eyes? You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, they did it in this episode, except they used, you know, <laughs> being a page at in Old Town at the <laughs> Citadel. It was so funny. Oh, my God. It's just... You know, it's just playing around inside, like you having their own sense of space within the series, especially in such, you know, end times with the show. It, make, it gives me a lot of hope for the spinoffs that are coming. Yeah, it's good. And, and I like that everything isn't so serious all the time. Mm-hmm. Another nod in these scenes that quick or the nod that happened quickly after this is when Sam is trying to get into the restricted section of the library, <laughs> basically, and we get the perfect, which we are always game for, Harry Potter shout out with um with Professor Slughorn telling him that he can't get access to the restricted section, basically. Professor Horace Slughorn is like, no, I just don't know what memory you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> Why are you asking me these questions? <laughs> I had a case of an insanely warm heart during that entire sequence. I was just um, completely blown away. Completely blown away by the performances of both of those actors. Mm-hmm. Jim Broadbent, who did play Horace Slughorn in the Potter films. I know it has a lot of connections thematically here, and it's fun to reference. But seriously speaking, his performance as a maester, for me, was one of the more I felt more connected to Westeros than I have in a really long time, watching him be a maester, working on the liver and weighing things, and clearly having had been there for a long time doing things. And his narrative about winter and about, you know, bad things happen. And then, you know, some of us die and some of us don't and everything keeps going. It was just I felt so, so absolutely excited about how good that was. Did you like, how did you feel? It was, it was a really great perspective, you know, and, and. He's talking about all of these major historical events that we're very familiar with um, up to Robert's Rebellion, talking about how everybody thought that XYZ was the end of the world. Everybody thought that this was it for everybody and for humanity. And he says every winter that has ever came has ended and that they'll survive it all. And so it's an it's just an interesting it's an interesting look into I mean, the Maesters have seen literally everything and they talk about how they're, he talks about how they're the world's memory and how they're the bank of history for everybody who's ever lived. And so if anybody's going to be, what's the word I'm looking for? If anyone's not going to be overly hyped about anything or is not going to jump to conclusion about anything until they 100% understand what's going on, it's going to be here, the Archmaester or here in the Citadel and just just. I think that it was so well portrayed, the depth of knowledge that they have and the fact that he's just there cutting up a cadaver yeah. while having these conversations about the world and how, how the world it's works. It's one of his friends that he's cutting up too, that he, he's been there for decades at yeah. the Citadel with. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. And Sam may be having to clean bedpans and slop soup onto people's tables, but these are really important conversations for him to be part of and, and hearing and it, it was nice just to hear someone say that there were too many similarities from unconnected sources to say that the long night never happened mm-hmm. and i was disappointed that he didn't follow up and say well what did you see when the white walkers attacked because this episode of game of thrones i felt totally comfortable assuming that a conversation like that was about to happen right because we were just getting delivered those things on all fronts and like i said jim Broadbent's performance he felt like he was a maester that had been there for a very long time and we didn't get any, we got a shot of the astrolabe and some music and a, a disgruntled employee at the front desk last time. And this time we got the gratuitous, wonderful shot of the astrolabe in the main library. And of course, all the wonderfully nasty and awesome stuff we saw with Sam. And also the Old Town addition to the opening credits with the Hightower. Very cool. Very, very, cool. very cool. Uh, we get all of that. And Jorah, don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we're neck deep in discussing the new episode, but 
We'd like to take a moment and tell you about our new and favorite way to experience Game of Thrones. iBooks has an exclusive version of George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones called the Enhanced Editions that help you keep track of the storylines and the characters in a fun and interactive way. These books have everything you could wish for. Interactive maps, house histories, a stunning sigil guide, author notes from George R. R. Martin himself, and amazing illustrations that bring the Game of Thrones world to life. Open the book, head to your favorite chapter, and you'll find a summary of where the character last was. You'll find maps of where the character is going. And if you click on the little crown in the text, a footnote will pop up that'll give you information on the history of that character or location, some of the literary analysis that dives a little bit more into how the story was written, and basically everything you could ever want to know about George R. R. Martin's world. Or you can do what I do, open up your favorite book, go to the appendix and start reading all the fun facts that you missed while reading speedily through the book in the first place. And if you want to get in on the action, these books are available exclusively on iBooks. Go to apple.co slash Game of Thrones to check them out. They're not available in all countries, but they're probably available where you live. That's apple.co slash Game of Thrones. We're obsessed, and we know you will be too. Today's show is brought to you by Away. Away offers high-quality luggage that is designed to be resilient, resourceful, and essential to the way you travel. Available in nine colors and four sizes, including carry-on sizes that are compliant with all major U.S. airlines, the Away suitcase is lightweight and unrivaled in strength and impact resistance. Zach and I were just on a trip where we both had our Away suitcases with us. I was able to pack for seven whole days in one Away carry-on, which is quite the feat. I still have half of my suitcase packed on the other half of it, so I still haven't touched it, and I'm still here. And we both got tons of compliments on how awesome our suitcases were. Not only because we were matching, but also the suitcases themselves. So wasn't exactly expecting that, but it was pretty cool. And uh, the phone charger on the suitcase definitely impressed some people. I don't think I'm ever going to use another suitcase in my closet (laughs) i'm being serious (laughs) so thank you away for that for opening our eyes to some things you can try out away for 100 days vibe with it travel with it instagram it and if at any point you decide it's not for you return it for a full refund for 20 dollars off a suitcase visit awaytravel.com slash owns and make sure that that's all lowercase that's awaytravel.com slash owns promo code owns for 20 dollars off your away suitcase Today's show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Picnics, potlucks, dinner parties, barbecues, good food is essential to a successful summer. And now it's easier than ever to create delicious summer meals with Blue Apron. Because for less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. I know you're going to be throwing Sunday night watch parties for Game of Thrones this season. Now is the perfect time to get some fresh ingredients inside of your home. Blue Apron is completely flexible, so you can customize your recipes each week and choose a delivery option that fits your needs. And Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. Some of the meals available to you in July include seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers, creamy shrimp rolls with quick pickles and sweet potato wedges, fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and cubanella pepper, and chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash owns. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash O-W-N-S. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. This was so good. The stuff in Old Town was so good. The stuff in Old Town was so good. And I've just been really looking forward to to seeing what's been going on there. And Gilly's in Sam's room. Sam's room is awesome. All that space he's got, that crackling fire, little Sam's growing up. And they're just casually finding incredible things out. Yeah, that casual find was a bit on the nose, but they found it. And the casual find, which almost feels like something small but it's not at all because it's the catalyst for this whole season is that Sam sees his map of Dragonstone and he sees that there's basically an X marks the spot of a huge mountain of dragon glass. And earlier on in the episode, the beginning of the episode, really we've got John trying to rally the troops telling everybody that every man, woman and child is going to harvest for dragon glass. And this is what we got to get. And so Sam finds it on this map that basically could not stay to any clearer and so that's why then John is going to head south, right? I mean, we can assume that that's kind of the thing that once he gets word word of that, 
that's what's going to push him to go meet down there. But yep. I mean, low key episode one, Sam is already finding things out that changed the game for John and everything that's happening up north. Yeah. And I was glad that they gave us that time with Sam. Like I said, we didn't have a lot of time to feel like he'd been there and then they made a lot of shots quickly. But they showed us a serious passage of time with those cuts. And it hasn't really ever been done in any way like that before in this series. Felt very out of place, but it also felt so perfectly in place that Mm -hmm. I just want more things like that to happen in the show. And I know stylistically it wouldn't make any sense because it would just be, I guess, cheap and redundant, but I just want to go watch it right now. Me too. Because that was Sam doing that. And that Mm -hmm. that was our Sam Tarly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there was cool music and it was so funny. And it was Jim really Brockett's good. They're casually like, weigh that liver. <laughs> and they're in the Citadel. So it's this moment in this incredibly historic and important place that we haven't had time to spend in yet. And so, yeah, I really loved it. There's so many mysteries there. Honestly, I feel like we could keep talking about that for the rest of the episode. We can save more on our next episode this week. But I'm so glad you liked it. I, I loved it, too. I was just, when I watched it, I was one of those things where I was just cheering out loud. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was so gross, though. It was, and we got so many tweets, which some of them we'll read on our next episode of people who were talking about being physically ill after watching that that sequence. They're going to show us heads getting cut off. It's only fair that we can really see how much he has to scrub. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. It reminds me of, I worked in the kitchens when I was my freshman year at college, and it felt like that. So I was like, so relatable. Can't they? Can't they feed them? Can't they feed them things with anything fiber? Anything else? It, you know, Some, anything, something, anything. It just looks exactly the same after a while. And then I was just watching and watching, and I couldn't tell the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I think that's the point. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Can we make a hard transition to something that I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to ask you about? It's probably the same thing I wanted to ask. So, I, I yes, please, by all means. Well, I want to talk to you about the Hound. Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's all I wanted to talk to you about since the episode ended. Tears. I, in I my know eyes. how you feel about him, but this was a really amazing episode for him, and the Grave Digger nod, which we mentioned briefly, the everything that happens with. Thoros and with Beric. I mean, what did you think? I've never seen anything like it. And it probably has a lot to do with how much I love the characters. And I'm okay with that skeptic that's listening because that's (laughs) 90% of why I watched the show in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's an added bonus that it looks really good and that they spend a lot of money on it. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. But as far as, geez, talk about redemption and the arc and the struggle and the crispness of Beric Dondarrion's baritone voice. I mean, just everything... Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know how to talk. What did what you, you think? Well, what did you I, think? What I want to know is what you think about what the Hound saw in the flames. I think that that's crazy and that he's <laughs> yeah. Azor High, and that I feel like everything that I just, it's like, oh, yes. What if the whole time your favorite character was Azor High? <laughs> I mean, it would be poetic. <laughs> Uh, we spent so much time with these guys in this episode, which I think was really cool. It was so good. And I don't even think that people that don't care cared. I think that they probably loved it, too. Of course. There were so many great clips back and forth that I couldn't even write all of them down, asking why the Hound is always in such a bad mood. And <laughs> then the Hound talks about how there's nothing special about you. Why does the Lord of Light keep bringing you back? I always thought you were so boring. Blah, blah, blah. So many just like great back and forth conversations about these men who are literally coming back to life and seeing things in the flames. No, I, I love it. I love that they're this small group of people that know that things are more serious than they seem. And when Sandor finally looks into the flame, <laughs> After and he, starts, he doesn't want to yeah, over like, and over. <laughs> well, I, I can't remember the quote exactly, but he was saying he said something. Oh, he said, it's my fucking luck that I end up with a bunch of fire worshippers <laughs> or the band of fire worshippers. Like, <laughs> and they're talking about man buns. <laughs> <laughs> the top knot deal. He's like, I, yeah. he's like, you're not fooling anyone. All right. The top knot. <laughs> so good. Seriously, though, uh, that when he looks into the fire. Mm-hmm. I felt their camaraderie, their connection. I felt their mutual understanding that they were going to have to take this to the very fucking end because they knew things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was just like, good God, this show is getting good. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how good it's going to be in the books? Well, and that's the thing. It's wild to me that 
someone like the Hound, who even at the beginning of these scenes are talking about how he's just not a believer and how he doesn't believe in anything and he's so jaded and it's because he has all this experience. He then looks into the flames after spending how many minutes saying, I don't want to look into the flames and basically stomping and dragging his feet. sitting by the fire just looking at it. It He looks at him. And so he sees the wall where by East Watch by the Sea and dead are marching past, thousands of them. And he sees these very real things. And it's like, whoa, what is going on here? What does this mean? This is a lot to take in. And and the way they shot it was so casual. It's Mm -hmm. Thoros of Mir, the guy that you're looking at, Red Priest, ex-friend of Robert Baratheon, drinking partners, top knot aside, pretty awesome guy. Top knots are pretty cool, too. Everything's fine. Anyway, <laughs> he's just looking at the fire, and that could have been a shot from Gilmore Girls with a lot more money put into it, obviously. But he was just looking at the fire, and we know what he's doing, but just the way that they casually set it up and mm-hmm. give this thing with such a grand implication, such a a humble approach. But they did a lot in this episode, especially at the end at Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Having Sandor stand there and then finally be like, okay, I'll walk over and look at it. And then for them to let him see it immediately and for them to let the music swell immediately. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't feel like any of it was rushed. It was just that we were being treated to some real stuff and we got to see the Hound, I guess, fully understand, even though he's been getting pushed in that direction for a long time by fate and by the universe that you know there is more to all of this he says do you believe me now believe that we're here for a reason yeah and that's when my i just so much emotion lost your mind goose flesh you know Mm -hmm. not even on purpose it's it's great when you're watching or reading things and just experiencing anything and you you have a you have a feeling that you can't control and it happened casually while watching a TV show tonight, probably four or five times. So high five. Yeah. Really incredible. Yeah. And then that scene is followed up by there's a like a pause, a blackness, whatever that was. I'm like, my mind is racing. So who knows? Maybe I blacked out for 20 seconds. <laughs> but then they then they go outside and, and the hound is digging a grave, which is a great nod to this. For those of you who aren't familiar, probably one of the biggest theories out there about because in the books, we don't know for sure what Clegane's whereabouts are. Like, we don't know for sure exactly what's going on. And so, and we can talk about this a little bit more in depth in the next episode, but this is just a really great nod to this theory about where he is and what he's doing. And there's no necessary reason for us to have it in this episode. And it's this really cool scene where he finally buries the dead that were very obviously bothering him in this house. And, this is not something that the hound would have worried about however many seasons ago. You know what I mean? Like we're seeing this different man, which we're talking about his journey and his arc. And we're, we're seeing that start to play out here in this episode. He is the broken man. He is the broken man. He's the broken man. And he tried to, when he was trying to recite the prayer of the dead bodies, that just did it for me. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. And I think that his arc has been, I mean, if you've been listening, it's been one of my favorite parts of the series for years. But to to see it get to a head now like this and for it to be with those guys and for, for them to have the kind of camaraderie that they have and to know from the promotional footage what's coming with them. I wish I hadn't seen that footage, by the way, because it would have been such a surprise knowing that they fight together. But, you know, you get what you can. You can feel the weight of it. I'm really, really excited. This, the sequences with Thor of Mirror, Beric Dondarrion and the Hound where uh they were they were i mean they had they had to have been my favorite parts of the episode there was just so much good stuff this felt like a finale did it not feel like a finale it definitely it felt like a finale without the closure yeah is what i would say yeah, there wasn't a lot of closure but then at the same time there was a little bit of closure and with even when you think about danny reaching dragonstone and we get closure on something that we've been stressed about since danny was introduced to us was her finally getting back to Westeros and no big deal. She makes it unscathed. I didn't expect to watch the sequence and to, to be affected so much by it because we didn't, we've known that Danny was going to go to Westeros since the beginning of the series, or at least that she needed to. So it was always a possibility. And then we've known because of from all the promotional footage, material. Yeah. It's been all over the place there. And also just from the end of last season, 
which was a long time ago. But I don't think that I could have prepared myself for finally seeing it with Ramin Javadi's score in the background and with the decisions they made in the script to take out so much of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And in an episode where things like Sam's sequence happens and we go through a lot of time, or for example, Cersei and Jamie in King's Landing having conversations and then Euron arriving and then assuming he leaves and you know, whatever time passes between his voyage to get her gift or not. In this scene, we basically got to see her arrive in kind of not so grand a fashion and walk up the stairs in not so grand a fashion. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was just so honest and real. And I felt like it was just such a beautiful decision for them to make a moment that the fandom has been waiting for for such a long time to give them the space to allow everyone to breathe and to watch her pull down the tapestry and run her hands through every over everything. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it just, the scene kept going. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. What we haven't mentioned yet is the dragons flying around Dragonstone and we get just a moment to take in what it's like and what it means and the implications are to having dragons there flying and what the history, you just like feel the weight of history as she steps onto the shores. And I, I, what I really loved about her walk through Dragonstone is that she's got her squad just a little bit behind her, you know? So, so as we see her walking up the steps or kind of coming up in that beginning scene there, we see behind her Tyrion and Masunda and Grey Worm. And it, it's just really neat to see... Varys. And Varys. <laughs> Forgot about Varys for a hot second. <laughs> Which I can't... Anyway. <laughs> the look when they arrived. Danny. Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah, well, I just... I feel like you get Danny's history with her, behind her. I mean, think about how much these people have been through with her or to get to her or to get her to this moment. And so the fact that they can kind of like trail behind as she takes these steps through her ancestral home is really, really incredible. And the shots were just long and lingering and stunning and real. real. And I mean... There isn't a lot to talk about other than the fact Daenerys Targaryen was at Dragonstone running her hand over the painted table. And finally, as the episode ends, the last thing she says is, shall we begin? And it's like, this is what we've been building Hell for. yeah. This is what we've been building Were for. You this stoked? Is- <laughs> Were you yes. really excited when I mean, happened? I just started clapping because, <laughs> yes, let's get to work. I mean, we've been waiting to leave freaking wherever she's been <laughs> for the last million episodes and and she's here let's get to work let's get to work let's go yes so exciting so that was (laughs) that was cool (laughs) daenerys made it to westeros it almost doesn't feel real you know like does it not feel real to you most of this episode is just not it didn't you know none of it really happened (laughs) yeah it doesn't feel real none of it's you know none of this can be canon right it doesn't feel real john and sansa just well you know dad said you know anything that starts Anything that comes after the word butts, a pile of shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, tell us more of the things that Ned Stark said to you when you were young. Please. Targaryen. While you're walking through Winterfell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. While you're in charge and everyone bows to you. Mm-hmm. So weird. Yeah. It just doesn't feel real. The Hound just hanging out with fire worshippers, looking into the fire and seeing seeing White Walkers. Arya chilling with Lannister soldiers. Just hanging out Drinking with Ed Sheeran, wine, like it's singing. a day on Twitter, you know? <laughs> Sam's got his new place. Yeah. Gilly is with doing kid and fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I know that Sam's job is hard, but he's got an awesome thing going. Sam's got it pretty good. And Dora Mormont made it to Old Town, and he's going to ask someone about Danny every time he can. Mm-hmm. I mean, in an episode where there was speed and time and changes and it lingered in places that we didn't expect it for us to get that ending though with Daenerys so patiently it's just something the series has been waiting for for a long time it's really fun to be a part of it because we're definitely watching art unfold in front of us people yeah absolutely Absolutely. and you're all a part of it too which is really cool because they wouldn't have done what they did with Lyanna Mormont at the beginning of the season if you hadn't reacted so beautifully to how she performed at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Last, and we didn't care. Time. Yeah. Same with Tormund and Brienne. It's like you're shipping <laughs> and gifts. 
are the reason Tormund and Brienne might be together. <laughs> worth it. Honestly, also, worth it. So what should we start getting out there so we can make it happen? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be thinking about it, though. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be together because she seems to be just not into him at all. Just yeah, throwing it out there. We're gonna get we're gonna get more of them, which I'm I here know. for. I mean Me too. you know I'm here for Brienne and Jamie twenty four seven all the way. Don't at me. But to see the two of them, Tormund and Brienne together is a treat. You're also here for you're on Greyjoy, the new oh, and improved you're on Greyjoy. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. I have been waiting <laughs> this whole episode <laughs> to talk about my new problem. Which is the fact that Euron Greyjoy looks like he's from some random pop punk band from the early 2000s. And I am so unbelievably into it that I can't even think clearly. Definitely a pop punk band that's been touring for seven weeks. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He just like, he has a swagger that I just cannot get enough of. And I mean, okay, me being into him aside, (laughs) I do do think that he has this really cool presence and he has this way about him that the whole time he was speaking to Cersei, I was just like, this guy is a Greyjoy. You know, he's he's got something about him that was so Greyjoy-ish. And I know that that's a really dumb way to describe it, but I really liked it that you can feel the familial resemblance between Yara and Theon and Euron and he just rolls up That's he so has cool. so many great jabs at Jamie and he Jamie's like I was cutting down your family why aren't you upset with me and Euron's like it was yeah. glorious <laughs> it was crowded <laughs> yeah and he's trying to get Cersei and I don't know what you thought about this but I was 3% surprised that Cersei declined his proposal so quickly I almost thought that she was going to, if for no other reason than despite Jamie, right away take it. But I think it was a good thing that she didn't. And obviously he's not trustworthy. And so he's going to be off getting a gift for Cersei, whatever that might be, to earn her trust. Yeah. A lot of people think that Jamie's going to dispatch Braun to <laughs> break it up. Man. <laughs> to intersect him getting whatever the gift is. Which is fine, but now that I'm in love with Euron, my thoughts and feelings about his character are now um, wrapped up in that as well. Little, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little. Uh, That's okay. A little crowded. I think a Everybody. lot of people are probably feeling the same way that you feel because that was a different Euron Greyjoy than season six for sure. Yeah, it definitely was, and I think it's great. I think that I think that is great. My feelings aside, I think that he brings this really cool presence to him. And if we're going to have somebody who's trying to hang with Cersei or who is as crazy as he is, he's got to have some early 2000s pop punk flag <laughs> to him. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so when you show up to King's Landing, the last time we saw a ship sail and arrive like that, it was Jamie coming in from Doran. All right. This is you're on Greyjoy. In the HBO version of The Silence, which I wish we could have seen some dastardly crew members. Maybe we will. I hope so. I hope I mean, so. That was like the coolest entrance mm-hmm. that he just did. I'm surprised that he didn't crash park his boat and just jump off of it and like do flips into haystacks. <laughs> you know? Maybe he did. We just didn't see it. That's just how cool he was. Well, it happened so fast, too. I don't know if that surprised you. It surprised it me a little bit. All of a sudden, we have this conversation between Cersei and Jamie, and then all of a sudden, here's Euron's ships showing up to King's Landing right away. with his The sigil that they make for him for the show is really incredible with the instead of doing his red eye, they put like a little red smudge over the Greyjoy sigil, which I think is really, really cool. But it happened fast, and I just wasn't expecting that to be episode one. Well, that's cool. So you liked it. So I was, yeah, I mean, I loved it. And I, I'm really interested to see the dynamic between Cersei and Euron. And I think that Euron's character is so interesting, and there's just a lot there, and I hope that they do it well. And I'm just excited to see how that plays out, because it's somebody who we haven't spent a lot of time with on screen, you know? Yeah, I hope that we get a lot of them this season i think it'd be cool because i, I really too. like what you said he was really great joy and that would be really cool to get that 
it, especially like on Cersei's side of things, it really complicated the matter. Like things are really complicated this episode. Did you notice you've got like Littlefinger and Winterfell and he's been there, but he's just there still. And it's like, why walkers are coming around? Like, why are you there? And then, you know, Ed's got stuff held down at the wall. That felt good. But everything's just so complicated. You've got Euron and King's Landing making jokes at Jamie. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. And that's, well, that's what we were kind of talking about in the beginning of the episode with just like all these different alliances and kind of the setting of the table of like what the politics of it all while White Walkers are coming their way. Do you. Hard question before we get to Owens. Does Jorah get a cure in Old Town? No. Or does he spread gray scale to the whole continent of Westeros to complicate things even further? I don't think he gets cured in Old Town. Hmm. Why is he there? I don't know. But I wouldn't, I mean, can you imagine him dying right before Danny shows up or something? How sad that would be. I just feel like there's too much of a reason for him to be there so close to Sam. I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. If if he doesn't make it out of the season, I don't think it'll be for nothing. Like I don't think he'll just be rattling his cage, yelling about Daenerys. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it out. Hmm. Or maybe he does make it out, and he, like you said, spreads grayscale everywhere, and that's how El that wasn't the seven a real idea. goes down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Stoneman versus the White Walkers in the spinoff series. <laughs> yeah, Not yeah. a lot of good dialogue. <laughs> yeah. David J. Peterson's got a new language to create. Well, I feel so much better after talking to you about this episode, by the way. I mean... We should be still here. I know. Because that was fun. Although, it would have been difficult to not talk through the whole episode. And yell We would really have had loud. nothing to say. Yeah. Once we sat down. Well, we should uh, do our first owns of the season. Our first own of the season. Yeah. I don't know. Can you go first? I This one's easy. First off, um, you guys sent in a lot of owns tonight. And they're just the bar continues to raise year after year, off season after on season. My own is easy. It's just, uh, it's it's your own Greyjoy when he made the quip when it, when he made the jab about having all of those ships and both of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Poor Jamie. People yelled. People yelled like it was a rat battle in the house that I was in. <laughs> it kind of was a like, rat battle. <laughs> like it was. He killed Aegon Targaryen in the same throne room that your own Greyjoy made that joke about mm-hmm. him in. That's Damn. so true. Yeah. Damn. That's actually so true. So yeah. That's good. You're on Greyjoy. Ooh. Season seven, you're on. I'm here for it. Here for it. Us for different reasons. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. This is really, really, really tough. This is so tough for me because I want to give my own to... Ed Sheeran. Okay, no. <laughs> I'm absolutely not giving my own to Ed Sheeran. I want to give my own to Arya... I want to give my own to Liana Mormont, even though we've seen that scene a million times. I want to give my own to everything Sansa said to Littlefinger. <laughs> I'm just struggling. I'm like so shocked that you had such your own came so fast. I mean, people yelled. People yelled. I'm going to give my own to the Hound. And how dare you? I'm sorry that I'm taking this <laughs> away from you, but I'm just so intrigued by that whole scene with the Hound and Thoros Amir and Beric Dondarrion and what the Hound saw in the flames and what that means. And I just, I, especially after our conversation that we've had today, that scene was really incredible. And so own to all of that and to and the implications for that and the conversations that we'll have about it going forward this week. Yes. And for the Hound being the Hound. Also own uh, for the second time that I get to watch it for real. I'm That's so excited. That's going to be so fun. Can I watch it right? I mean, after you finish this, I may just go watch it right now. I just, it, it, it was really good. <laughs> and it's good to be back. We have had a really great time going through the series. We had, as you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, some really great episodes after Con of Thrones with everything leading up. But being back in the season and feeling so just connected to everybody who's participating is so much fun. And so I just feel like we're back in action and I cannot wait to read everybody's thoughts and for everybody to keep sending in your owns. If you haven't already, please, 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 please keep sending those in because it's time for us to get to work. 
and we have another episode that we'll be taking a lot of those zones into account for at the second part of the week and we're going to have questions that you can give us your feedback on and we're going to have a lot of questions i'm sure that it's gonna be hard to decide where to go <laughs> you know what i mean like what to ask and <laughs> right but but you know if you write to us and communicate it helps the process so you can do that by reaching out to us on social media we've got a twitter at Game of Owns on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at Game of Owns. Or if you want to send us an email with all of your thoughts, you can send that to contact at gameofowns.com. In the midst of season seven, our new series on Stitcher Premium, Rewatch the Throne, will continue to be in effect. And our friend Evan, who is on Rewatch the Throne, has consistently been asking me about how much we can talk about season seven <laughs> <laughs> while we're doing our review of season two. So some of that may, may come in. I'm not sure. But that is at rewatchthethrone.com or you can find it on Stitcher Premium. And if you haven't seen, iTunes is featuring a ton of Game of Thrones podcasts, including us. And we've got a lot of great episodes that you can check out with Paula Fairfield and you and Rian from Con of Thrones if you're interested in some of those interviews that we did. And while you're over on iTunes, if you could leave us a review and rate us and review us that helps other people who are interested in game of thrones to find the podcast and to be able to listen with us and watch the series with us so make sure to give us a little review and if you're interested in bonus content if you go to patreon.com slash skew you'll be able to find our other podcast called a squad of ice and fire which we've been making some really weird episodes of (laughs) every episode (laughs) of that is weird (laughs) between (laughs) kind of thrones and hanging out with other podcasts and uh season seven so i'm not sure where it's gonna go but there's a lot of other stuff there as well just wanted to mention that it is at patreon.com slash goo and we appreciate all of your support we absolutely do and with that we are going to be back very very soon as we mentioned later this week with another episode where we go a little bit deeper into everything that we just saw on episode one so stay tuned on social media all those different platforms with questions and thoughts and send in your own owns so that we can dive into them later this week well thanks again for hanging out i know this is really (laughs) the best (laughs) um i'm gonna go and stare at gifts of tormund and brianne and i'm gonna go dream about euron well (laughs) it was thank you for joining us on the first episode of season seven everyone it's scatterbrained but you know the feels after the first viewing thanks for sticking with us and we'll see you in just a few days we'd like to remind you about our new and favorite way to experience Game of Thrones. iBooks has an exclusive version of George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones called the Enhanced Editions that help you keep track of the storylines and the characters in a fun and interactive way. If you're a fan of the series, you need to check these books out. These books are available exclusively on iBooks. Go to apple.co slash Game of Thrones to check them out. They're not available in all countries, but they're probably available where you live. That's apple.co slash Game of Thrones. We're obsessed and we know you will be too.